listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. We have... And it's his first full-time day at pregame.com, A.J. Hoffman, formerly of Houston Radio. Now, you realize, A.J., this is going to more than one city at this point. That's new. That's new for <laughs> are, are, me. Are you nervous? Uh, I guess so. I guess I am. All right. Well, just listen. Don't I've ever been talking inter- to one schlubby city this don't, whole time. Don't ever interrupt me. Okay. And pay a lot of respect to Jonas. Of course. And you're going to be fine. I'll make it. All right. Speaking of that, in L.A., Jonas Knox. <laughs> Always good to be here, R.J. Now, no respect needed. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> we're, all, we're all good here. But, R.J., on a day in which uh, we've got some injury news in the NFL and we've got the Olympic Games continuing on over in Tokyo, what is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, very enjoyable week off last week. Thanks for Jonas and Fezzik and Mackenzie and Spencer holding the fort down. And But I think it's an opportunity because a lot of these big stories I haven't commented on, and they're kind of, it feels like in the summer, they're kind of a rolling story that keeps going. So over the show, it's going to be a kind of a best of the last week. But to start, we're going to be very topical. Carson Wentz and the decision of the coach for surgery on his foot. Yeah, it was announced earlier today, uh, head coach Frank Reich making the announcement that Carson Wentz will have surgery on the foot he injured towards the end of practice last week, and he will be out 5 to 12 weeks, according to Indianapolis. Okay, so the first thing I'm thinking of is why uh, the fact it took them a number of days to decide on the surgery tells me that it wasn't an obvious decision. That they could have went one way with rehab, they could have went the other way with surgery. And I remembered that when they made this trade, there was a little provision in the trade from the Eagles, is the Colts get a second round pick from the Eagles, and it becomes, or they give a second round pick, and it becomes a first round pick if... Wentz plays 75% of the snaps in 2021 this season, or or he plays 70% and the Colts make the playoffs. Now, this 5-12 to 12 week being out lines up with week one of the regular season through week seven. If it ends up being on the longer end of the, you know, towards the 12 weeks, the Colts are going to guarantee to not give a number one pick to Philly, they're going to give a number two. So my thinking is this. Obviously, they'd rather Wentz play at 100% and risk giving the number one. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded for him. But if he was going to be hobbled, if he was going to be at 90%, so the question is, do you want a guy at 90% for the whole season? Or do you want a guy at 100% for 60% of the season? Seven, you know, 60, let's say. 
Typically, I don't know the answer to that. But considering this trade, doesn't it have a real influence to say, get the surgery, get Wentz at 100%, and oh, by the way, it will guarantee us that we won't have to give up a number one. It would have been stupid if that wasn't a consideration. AJ, did it strike you that it probably was? I think it had to be, but also the the, the thing that makes it interesting is that the Colts are, they should be the favorite to, to win that division. Yeah, they were well. I mean, that's downgrading Tennessee. So, I mean, did you think the Colts with Wentz uh, clearly better than Tennessee? Mackenzie, pull up the odds if you would, and if it takes a second, that's fine. Of what it was like a week ago in the division. Oh, we got them right now. That was good. All right. So, right now, the Titans in the AFC South are minus one twenty. Colts are plus one seventy. Jags seven to one. Texans. You got banned from their locker room, didn't you? I'm out. <laughs> 27 to 1. But that's been years ago. 27 to 1 for the Texans. Wow. Okay. So, Titans clear favorites, but Colts right behind. Right before this, so before Wentz got hurt, it would be Titans plus 115, Colts plus 110. So, the Colts were the smallest of favorites, and now the Titans are clear favorites, which makes sense if he's going to be out for upwards of seven weeks. But you would have said at the pre-Wentz being hurt that that you love the Colts, don't like the Titans. I would have liked the Colts more than the Titans. But here's the other thing to consider: if you look at the the Colts' schedule, the first half of their schedule is significantly tougher than the back half of their schedule. So they may have thought we're going to lose some games on this front end anyway. But isn't don't you have to think the opposite? Which let's say that even if you play decently, you go four and three or three and four. If you go one and six, you're out of it. So, like those couple of wins early are necessary to even keep you in it. I don't know. I mean, are they? Is Tennessee so much better than them that you would be out of it if you started out one and six? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, to me, I don't think a team's ever started one. And, and let's be candid. We might say. I mean, the Jags are a, a darling, a dark horse darling. I think it's official to say that the Jags are a dark horse darling. They're still a dark horse. And obviously the Texans are horrible. So, but I would make the case that ten, whoever's the second best team, Tennessee or the Colts, and let's just say Tennessee, if Wentz were healthy, because the odds said that slightly. Who really has a, a, a better second team? Meaning, there's going to be a couple. But would you make the case? I'm just going down here. NFC East. Titans are better than any the second team there. You would have to say. Sure. You go to the NFC North. They're better than the second team. I mean, they're better in Minnesota, right? So, not the West. I agree with that. So, in the South, it's what? It's Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I mean, they're better than the second. So, the case I'm saying is, I don't know how deep it is, because you can question Jacksonville, and obviously Houston's bad. But for a 1-2, it's not like the, the Colts or the, Texas or, or the Titans as the second best team in the division are a bad division. Right. Well, it's, a, it's certainly a top-loaded division. The Jags were the yeah. worst team in the league last year, won one game. The Texans yeah. should be by far the worst team in the league this year. But, I mean, the over-under on the Jags, if I'm not mistaken, is what, like seven, seven and a half? Around seven, yeah. Yeah. All right, we're straight out of Vegas. A.J. Hoffman in studio. All right, I'm going to ask you the same question, Jonas, but I'm going to ask a slightly differently. Have you heard anyone talking 
except for straight out of Vegas, about the consideration of the draft choice in the trade in this decision. And no, I mean, it's part of the story because that went into the trade and that was a detail, a detail in the trade when it came out. But I don't think anybody has said, well, maybe that was a, you know, a motivation to want to have the surgery now because it lines up with the number of snaps that they'll have in order to push that draft pick down to a number two for Philly. Does it make sense to you that if you were in the front office, you'd consider that? Yeah, I would. I would consider it. I don't know that I would aggressively pursue it. I think perfect world. Carson Wentz is 100 percent going into the season. I think Carson Wentz didn't want to have the surgery. The reports that came out over the weekend were Wentz wanted to rest and rehab, and he wanted to see how he was going to feel in the next week or so. And it was a little confusing because some people said, "Why not get the surgery? Why not just get the surgery now?" And then they come out, you know less than 24 hours later and they say well no uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have the surgery he's going to be out 5 to 12 weeks what will be interesting is when he's ready to come back do they take into account hey if we just wait another week this draft pick becomes a number two and I, and I don't know where that lines up in the schedule but, I, but that's the part I'm curious to see and I wonder if we know that they're already thinking about pushing this off as long as possible to make sure they can get that number one pick moved down to a number two maybe we uh, jump on whatever week four or week five line that is uh, right now just to see where we're at. Oh, that's interesting. So if you look at 70% which is the snaps needed to Oh, and number one, if you make the playoffs, 75 if you don't, it's, you have to play 11.9 games. So 17 games, it means if you miss five games exactly and play every other snap, and again, it matters how many snaps there are per game too, right? It could be a little different. Then playing 12 and missing five would still owe the pick if you make the playoffs, but just on the border. So if he misses five, they're going to find a way to sit him out a quarter here and there the rest of the way. So to me, they don't need to miss seven. If they miss that sixth game, it's not going to be a number one no matter what. So to me, it's interesting that it's, if, they, if he misses five games, it's pretty much they won't owe a number one. And uh, week six, that's against the Houston Texans. And I, I'm, my Ooh. guess is they probably don't need Carson Wentz to, to beat the Houston Texans. So that would give him a little motivation to wait until the following week against the 49ers on the road. And let me be clear, as Al Michaels would say, lest anyone be confused, I'm not saying that he's healthy and they're having him have a f- unnecessary surgery. I'm saying, like any business, you weigh all the factors. And it, you know, it's like, think about how you are if you're going on a weekend vacation and how happy you are if you can, or getaway, and how happy you are if you think, oh, I can fly in on the red eye and I don't need to have this because on the red eye, if you're saving 40 bucks because you're not checking bags or something, you've seen the effort people put into that calculation, <laughs> trying to get it into the overhead compartment, right? They're, they're carry on, quote unquote. Well, these are, you know, millionaire type, you know, it's a billionaire, billion dollar organization plus, but they're thinking like businessmen. And you know what businessmen do? They calculate these things. And it strikes me, what is the value between a first round pick and a second round pick? It's gigantic. It's, I mean, think of all the trades that don't happen because the team wants a first rounder, but teams are offering a second rounder all the time. And the idea of, because it's not like the rest and rehab would have gotten back to 100%. If, if you think you can get back to 100% without surgery, you're not going to have surgery. It was going to be, this thing was going to linger, tape it up, 
spit on it, put some dirt, rub some dirt in there, and they figure, hey, if we're going to have him limping around anyway, why don't we get him at 100%? And I bet they have a quarterback in mind. Because if you actually look at the odds adjustment, and we talked about the division, the Colts were the slight favorites, now they're plus 170. Titans are favored now at minus 120. But if you look at their over-under win total, it went from, and I'm going from memory here, McKenzie, 9.7 wins to 9 wins. Is that correct? Exactly right. Okay. So it's a more than a half a win adjustment. So if you think about it, let's say he misses five games. Though the whole five to 12 weeks is suspicious because it's like it lines up where he could play week one. Uh, I don't think he's playing week one. So, and we also got to keep in mind, this is a new offense. We can say he was with Reich before, but this is a new team, new offense in a way, certainly a new team. Practice time seems to be at a premium, right? I mean, AJ, when you've seen quarterbacks come in to a new, va- a new place and not get a good full preseason, it really slows them down at the beginning. Absolutely. You, I mean, if, you, if you're coming into a new team, new system, new verbiage. And, you- and again, how much is it of this is the Philadelphia system from before? Some. Right, but not all. Not all, and he'll still be in on quarterback meetings and things like that. I'm sure, but it's not the same as getting like the on-field cart. Reps. Like if you have a little cart and his foot like <laughs> elevated. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Carson Wentz. I'm. Oh, listen, he's better than Baker Mayfield, but I mean, all this talk about how good he is. Sam Darnold, you mean, right? Oh wait, yes, <laughs> Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. I was gonna say, why? That's a that's a big statement right <laughs> no, there. No. The funny thing is, Mackenzie actually knows who I hate so much. It's like I was hearing Colin right here in FSR saying they were talking about Sando's uh, tears, right? Which is a great topic. And he's like, well, he's got Sam Darnold in the fourth tier. I'd put him at the you know bottom of the third. It's like third tier is average. It's like he's the worst quarterback in like 20 years, statistically. He, I mean, literally, like Jamarcus Russell and him are battling it out. Oh, it can't be that bad. Look at it. Look Ooh. at the. I mean, there was a place called Sports Info Solutions. It is a pretty hardcore data company. They had 83 quarterbacks ranked statistically, meaning all present day. So second and third stringers, he was 83rd out of 83, statistically. I mean, it's like, I'm not saying that's right. I think he could have been 79. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Darnold, not good. Carson Wentz has the potential of being good, but the idea it's just going to happen. Everyone thinks the best thing is going to happen to every player and team. And it's like, no, it's not. You know, the fact now that Dak has a hurt, his shoulder's hurt, and he's out for game or multiple practices, and he also, oh, I don't know, broke his ankle. I think there's a chance he's not going to be healthy. You know, he's going to be less than 100%. But everyone acts like that's foolish. I don't know. As a batter, I think that's a consideration. We're straight out of Vegas. Jonas, closing thoughts on Carson Wentz. I just think the injury story with Carson Wentz, it's just who he is at this point. I mean, you can go to every layer of his career. You can go to the, you know, the season which he was having his best season. He was an MVP, blows out his knee, uh, trying to make a play at the goal line in L.A. Then the following year, comes back maybe too early, suffers an injury again. They have to go back to Nick Foles. The year after that, he goes out in a playoff game, takes a hit from Jadevian Clowney, gets knocked out of the game. And then you can go all the way back to his rookie year. He was injured in the preseason. He was injured in training camp in the preseason. So almost every step of the way, he's dealt with an injury. Yet, to your point, 
everyone still goes back to that 11 games in 2017 and, and pretend that that's the rule instead of the exception. Which was impressive, no doubt, those yes. games. It's funny how we do that with guys who are high draft picks. And if they have that one year, we say, oh, that's that's the ceiling. That's what he could be. The year before that, Derek Carr had a similar type season where he was a, a, a close to an MVP candidate, got hurt at the end of the season. Doesn't have the tools, though. They can people can dream on those tools. That's what they the arm strength. Sure. All right. And, but, but Derek Carr, since that near MVP type season, has had several years of steady to solid quarterback play. And, I mean, most people would say, I'll take Carson Wentz ceiling over Derek Carr's any day. Carson, Carson Wentz can't even get on the field. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. What's the chance of getting to the ceiling? And, and, and listen, with Derek Carr, last year especially was a much better year. I mean, last year was especially good, Derek Carr, relative to his prior years, which were not bad at all. The thing, Jonas, just to kind of double back to you one second, we'll take our break after. Isn't the things you just laid out, though, almost in every case, it was him trying to do more for his team? So as much as I might hate as a fan of Carson Wentz, and I'm not, but if I were, to say, oh, he's hurt all the time, that stinks, but he's getting hurt trying hard. And I know at a certain point, you got to be smart, but if the worst thing you can say about a guy is he tries so hard he gets hurt a lot... That's really not that bad, right? He might not be practically good, but as a player, you got to respect it. And no, the motivation is not bad at all. But I would venture to guess that every starting quarterback in the NFL tries pretty hard, and they don't end up with this on their plate. And and you make a, make a point when it comes to the tools and all the physical aspects. People look at him and they go, "Man, he can throw the ball. He's athletic. All this stuff." I mean. Look, maybe there's a Jeff George comparison there somewhere. <laughs> I was where, just thinking of Jeff yeah, George. Because, because everyone just assumed, oh, well, I can fix him. I can get him to his ceiling. I, I can Jay get Cutler. the most. Yeah, Jay Cutler, same thing. And I, and I just wonder, at some point, it's just he is who he is, and, and this just continues to be an issue every single year. The, uh, the UCLA quarterback that went 10th to Arizona. Josh Rosen. Rosen didn't have those tools. They got they he dropped out you know out of the bottom of the league quicker than you'll see a number ten like that. If I remember, I think he went ten. And it's like why? Because you can't dream on the tools. And you can hear to this day when and Collins a, a draft guy, so he'll think about things even years later. And again, I think the drafts a great time to get to know these players. You carry it with you throughout their career. But if a guy's in year four. And we're still hearing about his arm. It's like that is what it should be in the stats. At a certain, I mean, Moneyball. We can all talk about Moneyball and Billy Bean. Moneyball, really, at its core, was it's not about all of our assessments. It's about performance. Well, and that's why Sam Darnold can be the highest-rated quarterback in high school in the country and play at USC and play well. But four years into his career, you know that that's not what he is. Except except a supposedly smart organization, Carolina, with a billionaire owner who's a genius owner. Right? He's not a, a genius as an owner. He's a genius who owns a team at Temper. And he and that organization pretty much have no backup plan this year. Think about it. Like, they took Teddy Bridgewater, who is a consummate backup. Whatever you want to say about Bridgewater as a starter, he's a great backup. Sure. They traded him and literally paid like 70% of his salary to get him out, out of the locker room. Why? 
because, oh, I don't know, maybe Sam Darnold might be threatened by him. So they had, I mean, I'll tell you this. I, I don't, I, you just said we know what he is. It's like, well, then why did a billion dollar organization decide he's going to be their quarterback with no real backup? Well, they, I mean, they had the best player in the XFL as their backup this year. I don't know what you're talking about. Case made. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the decision by Simone Biles, the multiple-time gold medalist for the U.S. Uh, women's gymnastics team. Who wouldn't know out, her name? Yeah, I know. <laughs> pulling out of several <laughs> events last week. And uh, a lot of people out there uh, accusing her of maybe quitting, uh, some people wanting to stand by her because citing mental health issues. But nonetheless, she will make her return uh, coming up here as she will compete in the beam competition of the Olympics, the final of her opportunity to win a gold medal in Tokyo this season or this year. Now, I find this part very interesting. In the last Olympics, the only event she entered that she didn't win a gold was the beam. So you could make the case that it's her worst event, though I don't know enough to say, was that like a fluky thing or not? Or you could make the case she wants to complete a career slam kind of thing, and this is a chance to do it, because this would be the only event she didn't win a gold in. Interesting why this would be the event. Or I guess because it's the last event, maybe second thoughts of missing out. AJ, you had a take on this. Well, it could be that this is the event she feels comfortable doing i don't know what the, but the one event you don't win the gold you're the most comfortable with well i'm saying maybe athletically she feels okay because doing. of like like the twisties or whatever right not having to flip a thousand times yeah, in the but air you before do you flip land. on that you do flip on that beam and boy i always thought the thing that would be the worst you ever see those videos where you hit your head on the beam yeah that doesn't that hurt that leaves a mark i, I can't imagine it feels great so anyway you're trying to avoid your texas take what's well, your take my my take was, and the you Sim- seem sheepish right now. No, the Simone be Biles. Prou- be proud about your take. All I said was Simone Biles got sort of a hero treatment for saying that she wanted to to sit out due to mental issues. Now that certainly wasn't universal. No, but so, it, so, so there was a contingent, and, and I'd say a large contingent though. Okay, and Jonas, you set it up where there was the other side of it. But how would you, again, Jonas is kind of like the pulse of the mainstream media to me. What would you say the split was amongst the media when it came to support for her versus not? 70 support, 30 not. And it, you got feeling like on Twitter where it's, it's the hoi polloi, it's the common person. How would you see the split? Um, they sided with the people that said that she had quit that she had So they not. said she quit. Yeah, and and but I feel like there was this rush to it was almost like the cool kids uh wanted to side with her and and talk about uh, how mm-hmm. how, how courageous she was and and all that, you know. Well, can we at least admit that whether she had a good reason to do it or not? She did quit. I don't think that's up for debate. I, no. I think that she pulled herself out of competition. We can we can all say quit without having the negative connotation. Yeah, but it to does it. have a connotation. I mean, you can withdraw, right? Did I mean if someone is? And here's the question: Is mental health any less serious than physical health? 
Meaning, obviously, there's some people that are you know troubled enough, and I don't even know if "troubled" is the right word, but have are afflicted enough with their mental health that they are locked away in an asylum and can't even live their life. I, I, so, so what I'm saying is that that's as severe as you get. I mean, you think about shock therapy, and no, no one's saying at all that that's where she's headed, but that is a. We, uh, treatment for mental health problems, lobotomy, mental health problems, is a treatment for. So for us to act like, you know, it's almost like PTSD. Now, as a veteran, it's something where obviously they. You, I was watching Oliver Stone actually just last night on Joe Rogan. I mean, it was about a year ago was the interview, and they were talking about when he was in Vietnam. There wasn't such thing as PTSD. There was uh, shell shocked, is what they mm. would call it. And I think we're improving as a society by acknowledging such things. I also think we're improving by allowing people to feel like they can say it. Because I would admit, I'm more old school. I, if I was having mental health problems any more than it's obvious, I would not be real wanting to talk about it. I just, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people where I grew up, if you, there's more crazy people where I grew up back near Steubenville, Ohio, than you're going to get pretty much anywhere. I can promise you that. I don't think I know one person that's ever gone to a psychiatrist or a counselor. It's just back there, it's like you might as well, you know, I don't even know how what the analogy would be, but it's like you might as well say you're checking out of being a man in that area because men don't go. It's, you know, to me, that's absurd, right? So if we're moving to the point that, um, I, what was it, Naomi? Osaka. Osaki, right? Osaki, is that how you said Osaka. it? Osaka. 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 She, I felt like, was courageous in a way, especially if you're one of the potential winners of a Grand Slam and you're saying the pressure of it all is too much. And you could, like, we don't understand. I mean, like, you've had your picture in the paper a few times, but you don't under, we don't understand the pressure that, that, that and, and we forget, you know, Biles is what, 24? Yeah. That's 24. a kid. I mean, we can say, oh, there's mom. You know, my mom had me when she was younger. Yeah, you're right. But they're still kids. You get to 30 and beyond, you realize how much you didn't know then. I don't th- I've never met someone in their 40s that says, boy, I was smart when I was 24. I guess the question for me becomes, and, and I'm, I'm not opposed to what you're saying, that the, it is good that, this, that society is becoming more accepting so why are of these things. you ridiculing her? I think that I'm not ridiculing her. I'm ridiculing <laughs> the hypocrisy that if a male athlete did this, we would not view it the same way. So isn't that our fail? It's not that we're being too easy on bios. It's we'd be too hard on that athlete. Yes, and I mentioned to you if let's say and Simone Biles maybe the greatest ever. So let's say Tom Brady throws three picks in the first half of a Super Bowl, and at halftime goes to his coach and says, "Coach, my head's not in it. I'm going to sit out the second half." Would, but, but, would anyone I consider think the, him a hero? I think the head not in it. Is 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 doing a disservice to. But listen, let's admit something here. She said it's partially the twisties, which is apparently a term in gym with gymnasts is that it's like you're not feeling control of your body yeah. as you're spinning. Then there's something about a physical with the ankle. It feels like they're throwing maybe spaghetti, or she's throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. If that's the case, it would be doing a disservice against the legit concerns in this area, Jonas. To AJ's point, Vontae Davis retired at halftime of a game for the Bills. He just walked into to the locker room, said, I'm done, and never 
never came back, and he got buried alive for it. I mean, he was crushed because he walked out on his team. But did he did he claim that he was having mental health problems? That, no. That's that's the problem, and, and and this is where I, where I think people got frustrated with it because like I don't know, if she decides I can't go through with this. I mean she she's better than me. Like I, I I don't have it in me. I'm like you. I'm old school. Like to me, I I could not live with myself if I walked out on something halfway through. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't live with myself. I would even be more. I wouldn't want to do that. No doubt. But if I did, I w- and, and if it truly were a mental health thing, I wouldn't be comfortable saying it. No, so no I, 100%. I totally agree. And, and I think where people got annoyed with this situation was all of a sudden, you know, the, the news just comes out. And I think everyone was un- understanding to the fact, okay, she, there's an issue going on. She's not feeling it. It's all good. But then you had this rush by the media to say, what a hero. Like how how yeah. brave and and I think that's where people got annoyed because they just thought, well, wh- why is it, why are we applying bravery and hero worship to this story when when there there are a lot of real heroes out there and I just I think that's what put a lot of people off mainstream wise. Usually I take a break here, but I I got to deliver on the tease. I can't do that. You know I grew up in a really small town, four thousand people, no stoplights. And it's a coal mine in town, and it, you know near Steubenville. And I don't think there's ever been a guy in that town to this day that came out. So like, it's just statistically impossible, right? But it was not a place anyone could do that. So now, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, that wasn't my thing. But I went to Ohio State, and about my third year there, I think I started running around with this gal. And she was the type, there's a certain type of gal that likes to go to gay bars. Like, you know, because for whatever, they don't get hit on. They, you know, it's, it's, and I was pretty into this girl. So I said, all right, I'll go along with you. And it was interesting because I was pretty like, oh my God, you know, like I was trying to figure out I was uncomfortable. I was nervous. You know, I don't know. It was just new, right? It was just new. And at one point about, you know, an hour or two, and I looked around and I said, these people seem very happy. And it struck me, like, because where I came from, it was a place where that couldn't be, right? Maybe it was behind closed doors, but it wasn't going to be out there in the public, at least any place I knew that existed. And to see it, and it just made me think, you know something, society's going to try to put a lot on you, and they're going to tell you what to think and what to feel and all that. But it's like, if you feel something different and you're able to kind of believe in what you feel, it can be a freeing thing. And I guess to me, that was a kind of a wake up call to that. And I bring it back around to the idea that the more that people can be honest, I I think if you really think about the pain that people are in, it's usually about they can't tell the truth about it, that they feel alone with it. And, you know, we can do public service announcements about suicide prevention and all that stuff, but it's very rare that someone feels like they have. A support system that they really are so upset that they can't, you know, you're not inconsolable typically if you have a support system. So, to me, as much as I don't think I could come out with something like the mental health thing, is I think it's great that the new gener- newer generation seems to embrace that. And I see, like, you know, post Glee, there's a lot of, you know, 
18, 20, 25 year old people that are so comfortable being, you know, homosexual or lesbian, whatever they are. And, and I'm not saying it's easy for them, but it's like it's so much different than it was 20 years ago. To me, as much as religiously some people are going to say that's wrong and all that, that's another debate to me. At the human level, the idea that someone is going to not be so alone with something, that they have a community. I think it's a wonderful thing. So, on one hand, I do think it can be too much. It can be too easy, certain things. But, it, man, it can sure be too hard, too. And I think us moving away from that is a good thing. Ah, it was a true delivery of the tease, wasn't it? Strong. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris Paul has reached a four-year agreement with the Phoenix Suns. It's a four-year, $120 million contract, and it's going to expire, uh, this from Chris Haynes, when Chris Paul turns 40 years old. So CP3 is back in the desert with the Suns on a four-year extension. Pretty good. Now, AJ learned a lesson pretty quickly. Before the show... AJ said, I don't know. If I if it was me, Chris, I would take that 40, Chris Paul. Take it. Worry about it later. Is that right? I, I said, <laughs> 44 million. I'd take that and come back next year. Uh, but no, I, I mean, you guys said he was going to get a big deal. I didn't think it would be this big of a well, deal. Well, they Good were estimating 95. I mean, this is a monster. This is crazy. And I don't... I mean, I don't like this for the Suns. I, I don't like the. I don't like marrying yourself long term to to a Chris Paul that's had a career of not being able to stay healthy. You know, this is like this is like an actor who's like forty years old, worrying about get, that gets his first role on a sitcom. He's worried about getting typecast. <laughs> if you're Phoenix, you had seven years without the playoffs. Yeah, you got something going on now. You just wrap your arms around it. And this owner is uh, Phoenix's owner is renowned for being. Frugal. So, I mean, he's going in his pocket. They're going all in. And if you're a fan, what are you hoping for, right? You're hoping for More of what Chris you got this Paul last year. getting signed, right? And, and I do believe that's important. And, you know, we'll get to some of the baseball stuff tomorrow, but I do think there's one kind of analogy here in baseball. If you don't, if you're a small market and you don't feel like there's hope, NFL loves parody because every year, even Jacksonville this year has hope. Well, Dodgers gobbling up all the best players, Yankees, etc., Red Sox, Pirates. Is there hope? I know they haven't won since 79. I know that much. Willie Stargell was there. So it, it strikes me Phoenix, as fans, have hope, and they deserve it. And if that's a little extra money out of the owner, the billionaire's pocket, so be it. 